Story nineteen of Christmas Stories by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story nineteen, Mugby Junction, Part two. The day was a fine, bright day in the early beginning of November. The air was clear and inspiriting, and the landscape was rich in beautiful colours. The prevailing colours in the court off Lombard Street, London City, had been few and sombre sometimes when the weather elsewhere was very bright indeed the dwellers in those tents enjoyed a pepper-and-salt coloured day or two but their atmosphere's usual wear was slate or snuff-coloured he relished his walk so well that he repeated it next day he was a little earlier at the cottage than on the day before and he could hear the children upstairs singing to a regular measure and clapping out the time with their hands still there is no sound of any musical instrument he said listening at the corner and yet i saw the performing hands again as i came by what are the children singing why good lord they can never be singing the multiplication table they were though and with infinite enjoyment the mysterious face had a voice attached to it which occasionally led or set the children right its musical cheerfulness was delightful the measure at length stopped and was succeeded by a murmuring of young voices and then by a short song which he made out to be about the current month of the year and about what work it yielded to the labourers in the fields and farmyards then there was a stir of little feet and the children came trooping and whooping out as on the previous day and again as on the previous day they all turned at the garden gate and kissed their hands evidently to the face on the window-sill though barbox brothers from his retired post of disadvantage at the corner could not see it but as the children dispersed he cut off one small straggler a brown-faced boy with flaxen hair and said to him come here little one tell me whose house is that the child with one swarthy arm held up across his eyes half in shyness and half ready for defence said from behind the inside of his elbow phoebe's and who said barbox brothers quite as much embarrassed by his part in the dialogue as the child could possibly be by his is phoebe to which the child made answer why phoebe of course the small but sharp observer had eyed his questioner closely and had taken his moral measure he lowered his guard and rather assumed a tone with him as having discovered him to be an unaccustomed person in the art of polite conversation phoebe said the child can't be anybody else but phoebe can she no i suppose not well returned the child then why did you ask me deeming it prudent to shift his ground barbox brothers took up a new position what do you do there up there in that room where the open window is what do you do there cool said the child ah huh? cool the child repeated in a louder voice lengthening out the word with a fixed look and great emphasis as much as to say what's the use of your having grown up if you're such a donkey as not to understand me ah school school said barbox brothers yes 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 and uh, phoebe teaches you the child nodded good boy found it out have you said the boy yes i have found it out what would you do with twopence if i gave it you pend it 
the knock-down promptitude of this reply leaving him not a leg to stand upon barbox brothers produced the twopence with great lameness and withdrew in a state of humiliation but seeing the face on the window-sill as he passed the cottage he acknowledged its presence there with a gesture which was not a nod not a bow not a removal of his hat from his head but was a diffident compromise between or struggle with all three the eyes in the face seemed amused or cheered or both and the lips modestly said good day to you sir i find i must stick for a time to mugby junction said barbox brothers with much gravity after once more stopping on his return road to look at the lines where they went their several ways so quietly i can't make up my mind yet which iron road to take in fact i must get a little accustomed to the junction before i can decide so he announced at the end that he was going to stay on for the present and improved his acquaintance with the junction that night and again next morning and again next night and morning going down to the station mingling with the people there looking about him down all the avenues of railway and beginning to take an interest in the incomings and outgoings of the trains at first he often put his head into lamp's little room but he never found lamps there a pair or two of velveteen shoulders he usually found there stooping over the fire sometimes in connection with a clasped knife and a piece of bread and meat but the answer to his inquiry where's lamps was either that he was t'other side of the line or that it was his off time or in the latter case his own personal introduction to another lamps who was not his lamps however he was not so desperately set upon seeing lamps now but he bore the disappointment nor did he so wholly devote himself to his severe application to the study of mugby junction as to neglect exercise on the contrary he took a walk every day and always the same walk but the weather turned cold and wet again and the window was never open three at length after a lapse of some days there came another streak of fine bright hardy autumn weather it was saturday the window was open and the children were gone not surprising this for he had patiently watched and waited at the corner until they were gone good day he said to the face absolutely getting his hat clear off his head this time good day to you sir i am glad you have a fine day again to look at thank you sir it is kind of you you are an invalid i fear no sir i have very good health but are you not always lying down oh yes i am always lying down because i cannot sit up but i am not an invalid the laughing eyes seemed highly to enjoy his great mistake would you mind taking the trouble to come in sir there is a beautiful view from this window and you would see that i am not at all ill being so good as to care it was said to help him as he stood irresolute but evidently desiring to enter with his diffident hand on the latch of the garden gate it did help him and he went in the room upstairs was a very clean white room with a low roof its only inmate lay on a couch that brought her face to a level with the window the couch was white also and her simple dress or wrapper being light blue like the band around her hair she had an ethereal look and a fanciful appearance of lying among clouds 
he felt that she instinctively perceived him to be by habit a downcast taciturn man it was another help to him to have established that understanding so easily and got it over there was an awkward constraint upon him nevertheless as he touched her hand and took a chair at the side of her couch i see now he began not at all fluently how you occupy your hand only seeing you from the path outside i thought you were playing upon something she was engaged in very nimbly and dexterously making lace a lace pillow lay upon her breast and the quick movements and changes of her hands upon it as she worked had given them the action he had misinterpreted that is curious she answered with a bright smile for i often fancy myself that i play tunes while i am at work have you any musical knowledge she shook her head i think i could pick out tunes if i had any instrument which could be made as handy to me as my lace pillow but i dare say i deceive myself at all events i shall never know you have a musical voice excuse me i've heard you sing with the children she answered slightly colouring oh yes i sing with the dear children if it can be called singing barbox brothers glanced at the two small forms in the room and hazarded the speculation that she was fond of children and that she was learned in new systems of teaching them very fond of them she said shaking her head again but i know nothing of teaching beyond the interest i have in it and the pleasure it gives me when they learn perhaps your overhearing my little scholars sing some of their lessons has led you so far astray as to think me a grand teacher i thought so no i have only read and been told about that system it seemed so pretty and pleasant and to treat them so like the merry robins they are that i took up with it in my little way you don't need to be told what a very little way mine is sir she added with a glance at the small forms and round the room all this time her hands were busy at her lace pillow as they still continued so and as there was a kind of substitute for conversation in the click and play of its pegs barbox brothers took the opportunity of observing her he guessed her to be thirty the charm of her transparent face and large bright brown eyes was not that they were passively resigned but that they were actively and thoroughly cheerful even her busy hands which of their own thinness alone might have besought compassion plied their task with a gay courage that made mere compassion an unjustifiable assumption of superiority and an impertinence he saw her eyes in the act of rising towards his and he directed his towards the prospect saying beautiful indeed most beautiful sir i have sometimes had a fancy that i would like to sit up for once only to try how it looks to an erect head but what a foolish fancy that would be to encourage it cannot look more lovely to any one than it does to me her eyes were turned to it as she spoke with most delightful admiration and enjoyment there was not a trace in it of any sense of deprivation and those threads of railway with their puffs of smoke and steam changing places so fast make it so lively for me she went on i think of the number of people who can go where they wish on their business or their pleasure i remember that the puffs make signs to me that they are actually going while i look 
and that enlivens the prospect with abundance of company if i want company there is the great junction too i don't see it under the foot of the hill but i can very often hear it and i always know it is there it seems to join me in a way to i don't know how many places and things that i shall never see with an abashed kind of idea that it might have already joined himself to something he had never seen he said constrainedly mm, just so and so you see sir pursued phoebe i am not the invalid you thought me and i am very well off indeed you have a happy disposition said barbox brothers perhaps with a slight accusatory touch for his own disposition ah but you should know my father she replied his is the happy disposition don't mind sir for his reserve took the alarm at a step upon the stairs and he distrusted that he would be set down for a troublesome intruder this is my father coming the door opened and the father paused there why lamps exclaimed barbox brothers starting from his chair how do you do lamps to which lamps responded the gentleman from nowhere how do you do sir and they shook hands to the greatest admiration and surprise of lamps's daughter i have looked you up half a dozen times since that night said barbox brothers but have never found you so i've heerd on sir so i've heerd on returned lamps it's your being noticed so often down at the junction without taking any train that has begun to get you the name among us of the gentleman for nowhere no offence in my having called you by it when took by surprise i hope sir oh none at all it's as good a name for me as any other you could call me by but may i ask you a question in the corner here lamps suffered himself to be led aside from his daughter's couch by one of the buttons of his velveteen jacket is this the bedside where you sing your songs lamps nodded the gentleman for nowhere clapped him on the shoulder and they faced about again upon my word my dear said lamps then to his daughter looking from her to her visitor it is such an amaze to me to find you brought acquainted with this gentleman that i must if this gentleman will excuse me take a rounder mr lamps demonstrated in action what this meant by pulling out his oily handkerchief rolled up in the form of a ball and giving himself an elaborate smear from behind the right ear up the cheek across the forehead and down the other cheek to behind his left ear after this operation he shone exceedingly it's according to my custom when particularly warmed up by any agitation sir he offered by way of apology and really i am thrown into that state of amaze by finding you brought acquaintance with phoebe that i-that i think i will if you'll excuse me take another rounder which he did seeming to be greatly restored by it they were now both standing by the side of her couch and she was working at her lace pillow your daughter tells me said barbox brothers still in a half-reluctant shamefaced way that she never sits up no sir nor never has done you see her mother who died when she was a year and two months old was subject to very bad fits and as she had never mentioned to me that she was subject to fits they couldn't be guarded against consequently she dropped the baby when took and this happened 
it was very wrong of her said barbox brothers with a knitted brow to marry you making a secret of her infirmity well sir pleaded lamps in behalf of the long deceased you see phoebe and me we have talked that over too and lord bless us such a number on us has our infirmities what with fits and what with misfits of one sort and another that if we confessed to em all before we got married most of us might never get married might not that be for the better not in this case sir said phoebe giving her hand to her father no not in this case sir said her father patting it between his own you correct me returned barbox brothers with a blush and i must look so like a brute that at all events it would be superfluous in me to confess to that infirmity i wish you would tell me a little more about yourselves i hardly know how to ask it of you for i am conscious that i have a bad stiff manner a dull discouraging way with me but i wish you would with all our hearts sir returned lamps gaily for both and first of all that you may know my name stay interposed the visitor with a slight flush what signifies your name lamps is good enough for me i like it it is bright and expressive what do i want more why to be sure sir returned lamps i have in general no other name down at the junction but i thought on account of your being here as a first-class single in a private character that you might the visitor waved the thought away with his hand and lamps acknowledged the mark of confidence by taking another rounder you are hard-worked i take for granted said barbox brothers when the subject of the rounder came out of it much dirtier than he went into it lamps was beginning not particular so when his daughter took him up oh yes sir he is very hard worked fourteen fifteen eighteen hours a day sometimes twenty-four hours at a time and you said barbox brothers what with your school phoebe and what with your lace-making but my school is a pleasure to me she interrupted opening her brown eyes wider as if surprised to find him so obtuse i began it when i was but a child because it brought me and other children into company don't you see that was not work i carry it on still because it keeps children about me and that is not work i do it as love not as work then my lace pillow her busy hands had stopped as if her argument required all her cheerful earnestness but now went on again at the name it goes with my thoughts when i think and it goes with my tunes when i hum any and that's not work why you yourself thought it was music you know sir and so it is to me everything is cried lamps radiantly everything is music to her sir my father is at any rate said phoebe exultingly pointing her thin forefinger at him there is more music in my father than there is in a brass band i say my dear it's very filly-fillying done you know but you are flattering your father he protested sparkling no i am not sir i assure you no i am not if you could hear my father sing you would know i am not but you never will hear him sing because he never sings to any one but me however tired he is he always sings to me when he comes home when i lay here long ago quite a poor little broken doll he used to sing to me more than that he used to make songs bringing in whatever little jokes we had between us more than that he often does so to this day 
oh i'll tell of you father as the gentleman has asked about you he is a poet sir i shouldn't wish the gentleman my dear observed lamps for the moment turning grave to carry away that opinion of your father because it might look as if i was given to asking the stars in a melancholy manner what they was up to which i wouldn't at once waste the time and take the liberty my dear my father resumed phoebe amending her text is always on the bright side and the good side you told me just now i had a happy disposition how can i help it well but my dear returned lamps argumentatively how can i help it put it to yourself sir look at her always as you see her now always working and after all sir for but a few shillings a week always contented always lively always interested in others of all sorts i said this moment she was always as you see her now so she is with a difference that comes to much the same for when it is my sunday off and the morning bells have done ringing i hear the prayers and thanks read in the touchingest way and i have the hymns sung to me so soft sir that you couldn't hear em out of this room in notes that seem to me i am sure to come from heaven and go back to it it might have been merely through the association of these words with their sacredly quiet time or it might have been through the larger association of the words with the redeemer's presence beside the bedridden but here her dexterous fingers came to a stop on the lace pillow and clasped themselves around his neck as he bent down there was great natural sensibility in both father and daughter the visitor could easily see but each made it for the other's sake retiring not demonstrative and perfect cheerfulness intuitive or acquired was either the first or second nature of both in a very few moments lamps was taking another rounder with his comical features beaming while phoebe's laughing eyes just a glistening speck or so upon their lashes were again directed by turns to him and to her work and to barbox brothers when my father sir she said brightly tells you about my being interested in other people even though they know nothing about me which by the by i told you myself you ought to know how that comes about that's my father's doing no it isn't he protested don't you believe him sir yes it is he tells me of everything he sees down at his work you would be surprised what a quantity he gets together for me every day he looks into the carriages and tells me how the ladies are dressed so that i know all the fashions he looks into the carriages and tells me what pairs of lovers he sees and what new married couples on their wedding trip so that i know all about that he collects chance newspapers and books so that i have plenty to read he tells me about the sick people who are travelling to try to get better so that i know all about them in short as i began by saying he tells me everything he sees and makes down at his work and you can't think what a quantity he does see and make out as to collecting newspapers and books my dear said lamps it's clear i can have no merit in that because they're not my perquisites you see sir it's this way a guard he'll say to me hello here you are lamps i've saved this paper for your daughter how is she a-going on a head porter he'll say to me here catch hold lamps here's a couple of walliams for your daughter is she pretty much where she were 
and that's what makes it double welcome you see if she had a thousand pound in a box they wouldn't trouble themselves about her but being what she is that is you understand lamps added somewhat hurriedly not having a thousand pound in a box they take thought for her and as concerning the young pairs married and unmarried it's only natural i should bring home what little i can about them seeing that there's not a couple of either sort in the neighbourhood that don't come of their own accord to confide in phoebe she raised her eyes triumphantly to barbox brothers as she said indeed sir that is true if i could have got up and gone to church i don't know how often i should have been a bridesmaid but if i could have done that some girls in love might have been jealous of me and as it is no girl is jealous of me and my pillow would not have been half as ready to put the piece of cake under as i always find it she added turning her face on it with a light sigh and a smile at her father the arrival of a little girl the biggest of the scholars now led to an understanding on the part of barbox brothers that she was the domestic of the cottage and had come to take active measures in it attended by a pail that might have extinguished her and a broom three times her height he therefore rose to take his leave and took it saying that if phoebe had no objection he would come again he had muttered that he would come in the course of his walks the course of his walks must have been highly favourable to his return for he returned after an interval of a single day you thought you would never see me any more i suppose he said to phoebe as he touched her hand and sat down by her couch why should i think so was her surprised rejoinder i took it for granted you would mistrust me for granted sir have you been so much mistrusted i think i am justified in answering yes but i may have mistrusted too on my part no matter just now we were speaking of the junction last time i have passed hours there since the day before yesterday are you now the gentleman for somewhere she asked with a smile certainly for somewhere but i don't yet know where you would never guess what i am travelling from shall i tell you i am travelling from my birthday her hands stopped in her work and she looked at him with incredulous astonishment yes said barbox brothers not quite easy in his chair from my birthday i am to myself an unintelligible book with the earlier chapters all torn out and thrown away my childhood had no grace of childhood my youth had no charm of youth and what can be expected from such a lost beginning his eyes meeting hers as they were addressed intently to him something seemed to stir within his breast whispering was this bed a place for the graces of childhood and the charms of youth to take too kindly oh shame shame it is a disease with me said barbox brothers checking himself and making as though he had a difficulty in swallowing something to go wrong about that i don't know how i came to speak of that i hope it is because of an old misplaced confidence in one of your sex involving an old bitter treachery i don't know i am all wrong together her hands quietly and slowly resumed their work glancing at her he saw that her eyes were thoughtfully following him i am travelling from my birthday he resumed because it has always been a dreary day to me 
my first free birthday coming round some five or six weeks hence i am travelling to put its predecessors far behind me and to try to crush the day or at all events put it out of my sight by heaping new objects on it as he paused she looked at him but only shook her head as being quite at a loss this is unintelligible to your happy disposition he pursued abiding by his former phrase as if there were some lingering virtue of self-defence in it i knew it would be and am glad it is however on this travel of mine in which i mean to pass the rest of my days having abandoned all thought of a fixed home i stopped as you have heard from your father at the junction here the extent of its ramifications quite confused me as to whither i should go from here i have not yet settled being still perplexed among so many roads what do you think i mean to do how many of the branching roads can you see from your window looking out full of interest she answered seven seven said barbox brothers watching her with a grave smile well i propose to myself at once to reduce the gross number to those very seven and gradually to fine them down to one the most promising for me and to take that End of story nineteen part two